We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the D.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, let's dive in. A little more baseball here. We got some blues talk coming your way in a few minutes, and we're going to talk, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Craig Berube, some of what he had to say after the morning skate today. Blues and Wild coming up later on tonight, and the Blues uh, did their deed in game one. And boy, they could just wrap this thing up almost tonight, can't they? I know it's not automatic, you know, like hockey series can be really weird. You, know, you could win, you know, combined score 10 to nothing in the first two games and then lose the next two games. It's, it's, it obviously can get weird, but I feel really good about the Blues. They, they you know, they're, I think they're going to win this series anyway. I think I said Blues in six at the beginning. Um, I think if you win tonight, it's over in four or five, and they'd be ready for the next series. Although, I'll tell you, whew, you see Colorado early. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to – I'm st- I'm getting off on a tangent. I, I'm going to talk about all of those things here starting in a few minutes. I have one more baseball thing that I want to get to now. Maybe another baseball thing at the very end of the show. We'll see. But right now, I want to talk about Paul DeYoung um, in a couple of different ways. Because I, I think there, you know, we we un, I think that there it was it was a logical thing, and it is still a thing that made sense to say. Look, we want to give DeYoung a chance to take the job. We know he's a good defender. He's 28 years old. He's under contract for another couple of years, and in an ideal world. This player that you you spent a, that you you banked on with a multi year contract in an ideal world, this player figures it out, and if he doesn't get all the way back to where he was before, you, you hope that he can get at least part of the way back to where he was before, right? I mean, like that, that's the idea. The problem is that his numbers have gotten progressively worse every year in the major leagues. You know, his first year. He had a 121 OPS plus, which means he was 21% above league average. That was 2017. The next year, he was 2% above league average. The next year, he was 1% below league average. The next year, he was 13% below league average. The next year, which is last year, 15% below league average. And obviously, this year, way too small a sample size to freak out. But, I mean, it's just not even worth looking at the number. I mean, he's, he's like... 65% 65% below league average right now. I mean, it's, it, it is, it, it really is ludicrous. I mean, you know, he, he's hitting a buck 31, you know, he's slugging 230. Um, and 
I understand and and actually was on board for the plan to give him some run, to give him a chance to take the job, be consistent defensively, and maybe turn back into that guy that could hit you 20 homers and 25 doubles. Even if it's only going to be with a league average OPS, that's fine. You can live with that if you're getting good defense. And you could especially live with that if you're going to get good offense the rest of the lineup, right? I mean, you, you know, they need more production from Tyler O'Neill on a regular basis. They need more out of their DH spot a- against righties, against lefties. I mean, Albert's doing exactly what you wanted him to do against lefties. He's destroying lefties. So that part's good. You know, Nolan Arenado's doing what you want, but you need more out of Carlson. You need more out of O'Neill. You, you're going to need more out of Bader. I don't know that you're going to get more out of the catcher position right now. Miati's struggling. Kisner's been okay. He's given you he's given you some com- some competitive at bats. I think he's doing all right. And I got no, I got no complaints with anything we've gotten from Kisner. I think it's been good. But you're going to get to the point soon. And I realize that most people listening to me are already at this point. And if I'm being totally honest, I am too. I think we've seen enough. Uh, 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 not not forever. I'm not saying release the player, send him home. Give him away for a bag of balls. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we've seen enough for now as an everyday player. I know that sucks because, you know, he's making $6 million this year and he's going to make $9 million next year. They'll buy out the contract after that if he doesn't improve. So I'm not worried about anything beyond that. But what we're seeing is not getting better. If it was, I would tell you that. You know, we used the the, the uh, another recent comparison that kind of went this way was Matt Carpenter. You go back to, to like 2019, the numbers were saying behind the scenes that Matt Carpenter is going to be fine. He was hitting the ball hard, had some bad luck, rates were good, and you could see that it was going to get better. And it did. Now, last year, and even in 2020 with Matt Carpenter, Those numbers were the opposite. They were saying, this is what it is. It's not bad luck. It's what he deserves, and this is a problem. And that's kind of what we have now with Paul DeYoung. And I know I described this to some degree last week, but I'm going to do it again briefly for those that weren't with us last week. His average exit velocity is, is major league average, so it's not a massive problem. But... The strikeouts are a problem. He's well above average, like worse than average. He's, you know, striking out almost 30% of the time. Major League average is 22%. You know, he's hitting a buck 27. His expected batting average based on the quality of his contact this year is 154. So, okay, that's minor bad luck, but I mean, it's still 154 is what you would be expecting. So that's not good. His expected numbers are near the bottom of Major League Baseball. Expected batting average is in the bottom 1% in Major League Baseball. I mean, if 99% of Major Leaguers are better than you in that particular category, that's a problem. He's in the bottom 6% in expected slugging percentage. And if there's one thing about Paul DeYoung as a hitter that was really an asset for him, it was power. It was doubles and home runs. He's never going to be a batting average guy, but he was a guy that could hit home runs and hit you doubles, and he's not doing that. And a lot of it has to do with the swing and miss rate. He's 
He's in the bottom 15, 16% in, in whiff percentage, so swinging and missing. And here's what it is. This is true now. It was true in previous years. It's just worse now than it's been, been in previous years. He's not hitting anything off speed. And as you might guess, that's leading the rest of the league to throw him basically nothing but off speed when it matters. So the last two years, Paul DeYoung got fastballs 55% of the time when he was hitting. And he hit well against them. In 2020 against fastballs, he hit 306 and slugged over 400. Last year against fastballs, hit 263, slugged over 500. So he got 55% fastballs the last two years, and he did pretty good. His production was pretty good against them. Well, now he's only seeing 45% fastballs. And really, every year that he's been in the major leagues, every year since 2018, I should say, he's seen fewer fastballs each year. He's seeing more off-speed, more breaking balls, more change-ups. And he doesn't hit them. Paul DeYoung's batting a buck 36 and slugging 182 against breaking pitches this year. He is completely over against changeups. When you add the off speed together, when you add, you know, the curveballs, sliders, splitters, changeups, when you added all of that together so far this year, Paul DeYoung is three for 31, which is 097. With one extra base hit. And that pause there is to just let that sink in for a second because that's a real problem when 55% of the pitches you're seeing are either breaking balls or change-ups, splitters, off-speed. They're not fastballs. Last year against breaking pitches, Paul DeYoung hit a buck 26. And slugged 277. Nowhere near adequate. Last year against off-speed, change-up splitters, he hit a buck 18 and slugged 235. So now when we combine these two years, you're talking about four total extra base hits against non-fastballs. No, I'm sorry. Five, uh, you, no, 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 that's right. That's right. No, 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 I'm sorry. Four, it's four doubles, and it's like six or seven home runs. So talking about 10 extra base hits, but we're also talking about 800, 900 pitches. <laughs> so again, not a real high percentage. When you can't hit anything that's not a fastball, you're going to see nothing but those other pitches when it matters. You're going to see fastballs, but what you're going to see are fastballs that are not in the, in the hitting zone. You're going to see fastballs that are low and away. You're going to see fastballs at the top of the zone. Nobody's going to be throwing you fastballs in regular fastball counts. You're going to be when they throw you the fastball, they're going to be more careful because they know that's the one thing you can do damage on. Now, that was true earlier in his career. He was always better a, fast, a better fastball hitter. Most hitters are better fastball hitters. But the difference now is stunning. And it's not just this year. 
It started in 2019. Got a little worse in 2020. Got worse last year. And it's even worse this year than it was last year. And last year was bad. And what worries me about him is that we keep hearing these conversations about reworking your mechanics and all that. Listen, it's not mechanics. It's either pitch recognition or it's an inability to barrel up anything that's not a fastball, anything that's not straight. I I mean, I suppose it can be mechanical. I mean, it's not outside of the, the realm of possibility, but... If you're worried about mechanics, but it's it's always these same pitches that are going to do damage, it's as much about approach and it's as much about pitch recognition as it is anything else. This is a problem. And we are, I believe, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up today. Now that we're into May, I believe we're reaching a stage where the team is going to make a move in some way, shape, or form. And by make a move, I don't mean get rid of the player. I do mean give Edmundo Sosa some run. And I do think that's the order that it's going to happen. I think Edmundo Sosa is going to get run before they would move Tommy Edmond to shortstop and call up uh, Nolan Gorman for all the reasons I talked about last hour. Gorman striking out 37% of the time in the minors. Uh, the defensive drop-off at both second base and shortstop would be there. There are, there are reasons you would want to give Edmundo Sosa the first shot. And not the least of which is that Edmundo Sosa had a really good run when he was playing regularly for the team last year. On this same note, and I'll close it and move on to hockey. I do think that we're seeing that you, that we we got to be we got we got to be limiting even more Albert Pools at bats against right-handers. He's 2 for 21 against right-handers. Um and you know, I know they're trying to pick their spots and find matchups that might work. Let me ask you, if you're finding the matchups that might work and you're two for 21, mm, mm, I mean, he's destroying lefties. He's doing exactly what you hoped for there. I think we have to be a little more strict about that moving forward. Again, using the philosophy that the manager has put out there, which is we're trying to win a championship and performance matters. And with DeYoung... And Albert, and by the way, we got to put Dylan Carlson in this conversation. You need him to hit way more than he has. You need Tyler O'Neill to hit more than he has. So you do need to give these players time, but your recent performance, and by recent I mean, you know, last year, year before, certainly dictates how much rope you get. O'Neill gets a lot of rope. I think Carlson gets a lot of rope. I don't know that you that that either Albert or DeYoung get a lot of rope based on what we've seen in recent years when it comes to what we're specifically talking about. DeYoung every day, Pujols against righties. All right, let's change gears. Let's talk about the Blues. Big game one win against the Wild. Getting ready for game two tonight. We'll hear a little bit from Craig Berube when we come back. All right, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. attention to the Blues. Game two against the Wild coming up tonight. Game one went, I'd say, pretty well. I would say it went really well considering that I didn't think that they were really on top of their game. I mean, number one, let's clean up the penalties, fellas. Like You can't be spending that much time in the box in the playoffs. I, again, listen to me. I'm not really trying to coach the players, let's be honest. I'm just observing what I saw. I'm not like, hey, David Perron, stay out of the box. Like, they know. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I am an idiot, but I'm not that big of an idiot. But, you know, they they do need to be better at that. They they do need to to be a little bit more disciplined. But in the end, it didn't matter. You know, they they completely did what they needed to do on the offensive side. Uh, you know, Perron with three goals in the game and all that. I mean, they they were absolutely great for most of the game, but that's something, you know, the, the penalty things you're going to want to clean up a little bit. Because I'm going to say this, I fully expect the Blues to beat the Minnesota Wild in this series. Um, I said Blues in six before, but, it, you know, if I had to say it again today, I'd probably go down and probably cut that to five. But... You're not going to want to give, say, mm, Colorado 18, 18 times or 18 minutes of time on the power play. And look, I understand Minnesota had more penalties, you know, all that. I, I mean, I watched the game too. But I'm not just worried about beating Minnesota. I mean, I think you, you know, that that's the primary focus at the moment. But yeah, you know, you want to get things right because. Colorado looks really good. I know I don't think Nashville is particularly good. I know that you know I mean and part of it, you know, in game 1 they didn't have UC Saros, so they didn't have, you know, their goal their number 1 goalie and the backup got smoked and then they had to go to the backup to the backup and you know, pretty 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 ugly. And I think you're a better match for Colorado than Nashville is for sure. But that would be something I would I would want to be and I, again, not pan, I'm not panicked about it. It's not a pound the table, yell and scream kind of thing, just to, to something that, that I would want to see less of as we get deeper. Let's hear a little bit. Um, and I, I've got a few more thoughts on the on the rest of this series and then the potential matchup with Colorado uh, in just a few minutes. But I want to give you just a couple minutes as well of what Craig Berube had to say about the, the uh, game coming up tonight after practice earlier today and essentially kind of where they are, their mindset is as we get into game two of the series. 
I uh, just kept them off. It'll be a game time decision. If, if you have to go with Mikula in that, that with Pareko, you I mean, you, you saw that a lot. You got to have a lot of confidence in that, right? Yeah, he played there for, you know, I don't know how many games it was. Uh, kind of like early on in the season, I guess, or towards middle of the season and did a real good job. So we got good. We got a lot of confidence in that, that pair. Ryan O'Reilly was named the team's nominee for King Clancy Award, leadership, uh, wearing the C. Can you just talk about this a lot? But with yeah. the board in mind, share why he's so good at leading. Well, I think it's natural for him, to be honest with you. Like, if you look at how he works and prepares day in and day out and the effort he gives every game, um, you know, that's that's leadership by example. But I think that he really does a good job of, um, you know, what the team needs, you know, in-game, outside the game, the community. Um He's always, he never says no to anything. He's always doing things for the community, doing things for charity, doing things for the team. You know, it's just, it's just natural to him. He's, he's, um, he's a very, um, has very good character uh, qualities and, um, you know, and a caring person. He cares about, you know, a lot of things, not only hockey and his teammates, but outside the game too. So he's a special guy. Well, they they didn't have a ton of time, you know. I think five on five, like they're just, and power play, you know, like they they were just okay. Uh, they got to do better job of on the PP. Um, you know, they they're a dangerous line. They can make plays, but Robbie, you know, drives it all with his ability to transport to puck up the ice and uses speed and his ability to, you know, get away from people and create, you know. Bucci and um, Vladdy to to get open, you know, like that's what he does, and so we'll need to see more of that from him, where he can elude people and cutbacks and get away and create some separation and things like that. Well, you can make some adjustments and things like that, but you know, really, it's about you got to fight through it. You know, this is playoff time. You're gonna have to fight through tight checking. You're gonna have to get to the hard areas. I talked before about getting to the hard areas, and that's what they need to do. You know, they're all. Good enough players, and they, you know, Vladdy and Bucci, especially, they got great size, and and um, they need to get on the inside and, and get to the hard areas, and you got you're gonna have to get some dirty goals, you know, with a point shot, a rebound, things like that. That's how that's how you're gonna have to score a lot of goals from the playoffs. What about that line, the dynamics, maybe that line? Do you do you like? Well, he brings gamesmanship first and foremost. He's a physical player and knows how to play in the playoffs and plays hard and. Um, you know, obviously has the ability to produce for us on the power play and five on five. He's been a, a good producer for us for a few years. Uh, Barbashev's, you know, again, he's had a breakout year offensively and, and he's done a great job uh, on the power play too. And, you know, he's played in the playoffs with us and he's been a physical hard player to play against. Um, and Kairou is a dynamic forward. He's got an unreal ability, skating and passing and shooting and, um, you know, they have the ability to to do a number of different things out there for us. There you go. That's head coach Craig Berube from earlier. I want to do a little bit of uh, house cleaning because at the beginning there, he's talking about the defensive pairings. Um, and this was reported earlier in the day. Uh, my buddy Jeremy Rutherford had it uh, from The Athletic. Uh, but this was reported earlier in the day, too. It, it, and it just wasn't at the very beginning of the questioning. Uh, but Nick Letty is game time decision. Um, and and Marco Scandella is not ready. Um, so if, if 
unless something changes here, you know, last minute, uh, it sounds like, you know, if Letty's not going to be able to go, according to JR's tweet from this morning, uh, actually it wasn't this morning, was it? No, it was the, it was earlier this afternoon. Based on JR's tweet from this afternoon, um, it would be Miko Mikola with Pareko on the top pair. You keep Krug and Falk together in the second pair, and then uh, Callie Rosen and, and uh, Robert Bortuzzo on the third pair. So, yeah, that's less than ideal. I mean, you know, Letty is an important player. Uh, he's not by any means a dominant player, but he was a good fit when they brought him in. He's obviously done this thing in the playoffs a number of times, so be interesting to see how that impacts things going into tonight's matchup. And uh, I, I thought, you know, th- th- this this team's got, I think, I think that the forward group's in a really good spot. I mean, you heard Berube at the end there talking about Kairou and his fit with Shen and Barbashev and how those things complement each other. Uh, Thomas with Butchnevich and, and Tarasenko is really good. Uh, but that top line with Saad and O'Reilly and Perron, I mean, Perron had three goals in the first game. I, I like the I like the, the the balance that the roster has. Yeah, we talked about the depth earlier in the week, and depth is great, but it's also complementary depth. These are players that work well together, pieces that, that really complement one another well when you look at the way the lines are currently constructed. And hopefully uh, go out, take another one tonight, and and see where that goes. Now, that's the business stuff. Let's get a little bit more into the what-ifs in the next segment. Um, And I know, don't look beyond the series yet, but I'm going to. Because what I think doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, if my focus looks ahead, it's not going to cost them any games in this series. Their focus needs to be right here, right now. Mine's going to wander a little bit when we come back next here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, a little more hockey for you here on KMOX Blues and Wild. Getting ready to go at it a little bit later on. And obviously, uh, the Blues took game one, four to nothing. And, you know, I talked about this earlier in the week. It's been, you know, reported pretty consistently when you look at this matchup. But the Blues have had the Wilds number in the regular season, 9-0-1 head-to-head in the regular season in the last 10 games between these two. Doesn't always translate that way into the postseason, but it sure did in game one. And, you know, tonight is clearly must win for Minnesota. I mean, they can't expect to go down 2 nothing and come back to St. Louis and have a real chance to win the series. Again, I, you know, maybe more than any other sport you'd have that chance because hockey's weird. Playoff hockey's weird. It's amazing. It's, it's brilliant. It's awesome, but it's weird. So you never, you never fully say never until you got somebody eliminated, but you know, I mean, given the matchup and you have to think at some point, the psychology is involved here, right? At some point when you've had this team get, get over on you over and over again, and then you fall down to nothing, there has to be, I wouldn't say a defeated attitude, but certainly there has to be some frustration with that. So we'll see, but you know, I think game one, uh, the the game went. You, you, there are, again, there are things you'd clean up, but it, you know, the result was as good as you could have hoped for. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what game two looks like tonight. Now, I will say, my bigger concern is Colorado. And I think everybody's bigger concern is Colorado. And holy crap, did they look good in their game one the other night? They played the first period. They're up five nothing, and they basically coasted the rest of the game. It's like, all right, we're good. 
And by that, I mean, like, we're really good. Like, Colorado's got that look of a team that is just, it, that gets, it's their time. Now, that, again, it's, it's the NHL playoffs, so you never really know. All it takes is a hot goalie. I mean, ask the blue note. Takes a hot goalie or just takes a really good run where things are coming together for you. And, you know, anybody can knock anybody else out. We've seen some pretty amazing teams over the years get knocked out first, second round of the playoffs. So, you know, I'm not not fully assuming the Blues are going to beat the Wild. But even if I did, even if I made that leap, what I do on the radio doesn't impact what they're going to do on the ice. I can look ahead if I want to. (laughs) And when I look ahead to Colorado, I do think that's a team the Blues can beat. But I won't pick them to win the series if they do get there. Not unless something changes significantly, um, you know, in the first round. Like, say, Colorado gets pushed to the brink in game seven and they're a little worn and maybe they're banged up. In that case, I might pick the Blues. But I don't see any other real scenario where I would say, yeah, I think the Blues are going to beat the Avalanche. That doesn't mean, I don't. I, again, I've said it a million times. I said this going back to the opening week of the regular season. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, are the, are the, the, the they were the team to beat coming into the year in the West. I think they are. I don't think it's changed. But I, I said back then, the, if the Blues are healthy and playing well, they're one of the teams that could take them down in a playoff series. And it's because of, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the very balanced. Uh, what was the right word? I was going to say balanced mix, but that's not right. It, it, sure, it's the depth, but it's, all, it gets, it's going back to what I was talking about last segment. It's the complementary nature of the players that they have. They work, they function well together. You can score, you can keep up. But, you know, one thing you're not going to be able to do against them is get yourself in trouble on, on penalties. If you do that, they're just too good. But in watching some of the other NHL playoff games so far, um, it's been to me it's been an interesting playoff run. Like, you know, yesterday you had that Avalanche game that I mentioned where they just they went seven to two, but it was over in the first period. But then you had Stars and Flames go down to the wire in a one nothing game. The Penguins win in triple overtime. How about that? The Rangers goalie made seventy nine saves. Igor Shosturkin made 79 saves and lost. I do love that about the playoffs, by the way, because I kept finding myself kind of drifting attention wise over there. I mean, I was, you know, I I was watching the Cardinals. I was, you know, here doing that. But on the other TV, I had the Penguins and the Rangers. And I'm like, you just, you can't help but look. When it, when the playoff, when you get those, those overtime games, double overtime, triple overtime in, in the playoffs, it's just so interesting because the entire time in the playoff period, it feels like it could just end. Like, I mean, and it could, but I mean, it, you have that tension. You have that buildup from the word go there. And we obviously had one of those really good ones last night. There've been a lot of, I don't know, maybe it's not a lot. It feels like a lot of games that were just out of hand. You know, the Blues win four to nothing. That same night, Carolina won, was it five to one? The Leafs won five to nothing against Tampa. Yeah, and we've had these close games that I just mentioned too, but it feels like the games 
there more games than usual are getting away a little bit. Like Carolina's already up three nothing on the Bruins. I mean, crap, the Bruins aren't even competitive in these first two games. Although Tampa's bounced back against the Leafs, they're up two nothing now. So, you know, maybe that one is going to start to get back into, you know, some kind of competitive situation. But I'm looking forward to tonight. You know, playoff hockey really is as good as it gets when it comes to, you know, the the drama, the excitement, the fun. I mean, that's all cliche now. Nobody needs to hear all that. But I'm looking forward to it. I think the Blues take control of the series tonight with a win, and come they'll come back home. I'd say probably worst case scenario is split two, and you know maybe maybe you have to worry about going to a game six to win. But I don't think so. I think uh, at this point I'm pretty feeling pretty good about Blues in five and wrapping up this series and then starting to get ready for the Colorado Avalanche because they're going to win their series. All right, stick around. I got one more thing I want to hit and. It's baseball, but it's not directly Cardinals related. We had a weird ump show today. I'll explain what I mean next up here on KMOX. All right, so just got a few minutes left here, and I... I watched this earlier today, and I've been tweeting about it a little bit, but, you know, we, we had an ump show today with the, the Arizona Diamondbacks and uh, and the Marlins, and it, I, I, I want to say this correctly because I, I, I understand that umpires are humans. Like, I fully get that. You don't have to state the obvious to me, but there are some actions taken by umpires that cannot be condoned or accepted by major league baseball. And there has to be a better solution to this than just like internal discipline or whatever, because there Madison Bumgarner got thrown out after the first inning in today's game against the Marlins. And it started with now, I think there were some pitches he wasn't happy about the previous inning, and he was complaining. I mean, look, Mad Bum, he complains. <laughs> Let's just be honest, man. When he's on the mound, he's constantly kind of he's constantly complaining. the The joke, you know, the old the old timey joke in baseball is he's got the red ass. He always has it, always. But it's part of why he's good. It's just part of his personality, and it's not okay. It doesn't mean you get to be an infant. But he is sometimes. But what happened today with Dan Bellino, the umpire, as Bumgarner's coming off the field, Bellino's checking his hand. This is the new thing that they're doing now is they're checking the hand. They're not checking the belt. They're not checking the hat. They're not checking the glove. They're just checking the pitcher's hand to see if there's a foreign substance on there. And, like, if he's putting something on the baseball, it's going to be on the hand. Otherwise, it doesn't do any good. So... They're, he's checking his hand, but as he's moving his fingers along Mad Bum's hand to kind of like, okay, do I feel anything here? He never looks at the hand. He is staring like cold-blooded stare at Madison Bumgarner. And, and it's really weird. And it's not like a blank stare. It's a pissed-off stare. It's an angry look. Like he's clearly irritated with Bum, with Mad Bum about something, and at the end of the the exchange, Mad Bum's like, basically, what in the hell is this? What's going on here? Like, and they start barking at each other, 
Mad Bum gets thrown out, and then he loses his crap, and they have to, you know, his teammates have to restrain him and all that. And I, I don't think there is ever an acceptable situation where an umpire is looking for a fight. Ever. I don't care if you're having a bad day. Nobody cares. I don't care if you're mad at the player for whining. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You're not a part of the show. You're there to make sure the rules of the game are enforced fairly for both teams. You are not a part of the entertainment. Your feelings do not matter. If you get offended, suck it up, Buttercup. You signed up for the job, and you get paid really well to do it. But nobody in the stands and nobody on TV is going, boy, I feel bad that umpire got shown up by that player. He should really take it out on him. That's not nice. Nobody cares. Officiate the game. Call the rules fairly. Make sure it's a a fair game. Strikes on the same for both teams. Safe and out. Blah, blah, blah. And if you have a problem with a player's behavior, there should be a mechanism in place where after the game, you file a report, the report comes down. If you get enough reports, then maybe the player gets some gets some crap from Major League Baseball. You get a fine. And if that doesn't fix your behavior, well, then maybe you get a suspension for it. But this nonsense of staring a player down like this, clearly trying to bait him, clearly. I have not seen another interpretation of that incident today by anyone that is anything other than Bellino looked like he was trying to bait Bumgarner into a confrontation. Because if you're examining somebody's hand, wouldn't you look at their hand? Wouldn't you look down to see, hmm, is there any discoloration? Does it look like there's anything funny on there? Because he's using, he's, you know, he's, he's rubbing, he's rubbing his fingers on Bad Bum's hand, like he, see if he can feel any sticky substance from a, from putting it on the baseball. But he never looks down. He is staring in Mad Bum's face. And, and keep in mind that for a lot of it, Mad Bum is actually looking down at his hand. He's not even looking at the umpire. The umpire is just staring at him as if to make a point. And then at the end, Mad Bum looks up and he sees that he's staring at him. And then he looks back up and he's like, bro, you're staring at me. What's going on? You trying to start some crap? I almost said a bad word. And then it escalated from there. That's not okay. Ever. You are not a part of the entertainment when you're an official. Again, your feelings don't matter. If you're mad at Mad Bum because he's barking on the mound, again, suck it up. You you signed up for this job. You are not on the team. You don't get trophies. Nobody's paying to see you. And I got to be honest, I think these guys, I mean, these guys are clearly the best in the world at what they do. You're, you're awesome at your job, but you can't let that emotion get there. No, Cause again, nobody cares. But anyway, that happened. Mad bum got tossed. He'll probably get a fine for yelling at umpires. But I tell you what, that umpire, Dan, Bellino should sit. He should get two or three games off, and it should be made known publicly that he's suspended for this action. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Sports Open Line tonight. Hey, we're to remind you, we're going to have Sports Open Line tomorrow night, 
in the lead-up to Game 1 against San Francisco. So that'll be an 8.45 game tomorrow night here on KMLX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.